Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today, we are going to be talking about the brand new Hulu documentary called God Forbid. But before we get into that, we can tell you where to find us on social media, which is going to be using the handle at Three Spooked Girls on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We also have a fun Facebook group, which is Three Spooked Girls Official on Facebook. It's where we do our book of the month club or the I guess it's the book of the month club. It's more like the monthly (laughs) book club or book choice. And it's where we do the discussion posts. So if you're interested and you want to talk about this case or any of the cases we do, that's where it's it's over there. And we do some kind of fun stuff Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. It's also where like the majority of when we do things like Secret Satan, that's where that takes place over Mm -hmm. in those worlds. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, we do have a Patreon. If you're wondering how you can support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls or hit the show notes below for the link tree that will give you you the link to pop over. And for as little as a dollar, you get a bonus episode each month. We just revamped it. So you might want to go check out some of the new things that we're doing Mm -hmm. over in there. We also have a, if you are interested in getting some like fun witchy stuff, We do have a Spookster shop, so that's all in the link tree below. Make sure you check it out and get some fun, get some fun stuff. Tara does tarot readings and has kind of a little witchy shop, and I do blind date with a book. So if you are interested in that, go check it out. But now we are going (laughs) to, we're going to get into this clusterfuck (laughs) of a story. Oh, aren't you so glad I told you to watch this? I mean, I was. And then I was like, <laughs> fuck, this is like one of those trauma. triggering moments in my life. And yeah, trauma, because <laughs> I was raised in an evangelical church. Mm. In fact, my parents wanted me to apply to go to Liberty, but they did not. Ultimately, they were like, don't go because it's so far away. Like, you'll be on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And there was an evangelical church in our state. So they were like, don't go there. Go here. I knew about this story. I didn't know about all. Like, I didn't really care about it that much because (sighs) it's a lot to take in. The least shocking thing about this is that these people have a like a voyeur kink. 
that's the least shocking thing <laughs> about this whole thing. Yeah. So it kind of starts and it's the story. It kind of like gives me the vibe of when they did the Michael Jackson sit down with the two victims of Michael Jackson's like predatory cases. Mm-hmm. The Neverland doc. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just this guy sitting down in a chair, though he did not look like he had a comfortable chair. And basically was like telling his side of the story. And then it's kind of narrated from there. His name is Giancarlo Grande or Grande. I don't, Ronda, I don't know how it's pronounced. But at the time, he was a 20 year old quote unquote pool boy in Miami at one of the like party hotels. Mm-hmm. And basically, he was doing it because he wanted to get like tips and make good money. And he, was an attractive 20-year-old boy. So it's kind of like one of those things where like he could kind of flirt his way into some tip money. And he was there one day and he was kind of flirting with this group of girls and he kind of looks over and he sees this older, more mature woman looking at him and he realizes that she is eyeing him like a steak, like, hello. She basically was a cougar ready to pounce. Mm -hmm. But he noticed that she was taking pictures of him. So, you know, he went up and talked to her and was like, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Like, they got their flirt on. And she basically was like, do you want to come to my hotel room with me? And he Mm -hmm. was like, yeah. Like, I liked (laughs) in the documentary, he was, what 20-year-old is going to say no? And I'm like, a lot of 20-year-olds might say no to a woman twice his age. And then she goes, by the way, there's like one little tiny little caveat (laughs) asterisk. Side note, my (laughs) husband's going to watch. And I mean, right then and there, for like most people, they'd have been like, oh, okay, the fuck I'm out. Like, this seems mm-hmm. weird. But he was like, whatever. And he goes up to the room. He says the husband is like laying on the bed with his pants unzipped, drinking some sort of cocktail mm-hmm. drink. And basically, Giancarlo and this woman start feeling on each other. And she's like, listen. We can't have sex. We can only have oral sex. So basically, this guy then gets up in the corner and is watching him, like, perform oral sex on his wife and masturbating, essentially, mm-hmm. to this. Well, no, essentially. He, he definitely was. That's true. <laughs> Here's the thing. Voyeurism is a kink. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. We're not kink shaming. No. No, it's fine. Like, if that's what you're into. It's just they're big hypocrites. So that's why we're being assholes. (laughs) Right. Because come to find out that these two individuals were Jerry Farwell Jr. and Becky Falwell. They, (laughs) oh my God. They are literally like, Jerry is the son of one of the like original televangelists, Jerry Falwell. And, (laughs) oh my God, it's horrible. They actually... (laughs) They founded a university. I'll get into that in a minute. But like, basically, these were like big, well-known people who were known throughout the evangelical community as these Mm -hmm. upstanding citizens. Mm -hmm. And how Juan Carlo like kind of found out about it was because his sister recognized the pictures that he had with them. Right. And they weren't even like the scandalous pictures. It was just like no, they were standing normal. next to each other. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, my God, it's these people. And so he kind of becomes part of this little weird little love triangle that happens. And he goes on to say that Becky essentially becomes like his girlfriend and that 
they text all the time and they call and that Jerry, who is, you know, the husband is loving this and really is a part of this. And it really is just, this is awesome. Like you Mm. get to have oral sex with my wife. And (laughs) I don't know what to say. But basically, they also ran this like the large and this is this is a fact. It is the largest evangelical university in the world. Mm hmm. So just a little history on that. It was founded by Jerry Sr. And he had had a Baptist church that was next door. And basically, during the time when segregate, literally, this is where it came from. This is like not only, this is so bad. When segregation was happening, if you were a nonprofit, which churches are, or Mm -hmm. universities, private universities were, you would lose your tax exemption. If you did not unsegregate. Mm-hmm. So they really kind of came out against it. So it was very racist backgrounds, really coming out against kind of getting into different things. They got into abortion because they just basically like took up causes that like anything that they could use to politicize their their agenda because they could no longer segregate. Mm-hmm. So they would like go after feminists and basically say that feminists were like, I mean, I heard this growing up because basically I was told growing up that to be a feminist was almost was almost a sin because you were putting your needs as a woman ahead of the man who was supposed to be the head of the household. And if you were out there being a feminist and burning your bras and standing up for equal rights, then how could the man be the head of the household? Mm-hmm. They obviously did not like homosexuality. They were against pornography. Yeah, these dumb fuck these dumb fucks said that the the gays were the reason for 9-11. And I was like, yeah. no, sir, I was 10 years old, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I heard that. Because, like, I mean, this is shit that, like, we he- I heard growing up. People would talk about how, like, homosexuality and pornography and, like, all this shit that was happening and that it was all because of sin. Like, that's really where evangelicalism kind of, controls people is they basically say that like all the sin in the world is like what's causing bad things to happen so if there's like a fucking like tsunami it's because that country was sinning and that's god's way of wiping them out it goes very biblical and one of the interesting things that i thought is that jerry senior said in the 60s or 70s maybe the 80s he was basically stating that you could make the bible back up anything you wanted it to and he did and he i mean obviously like he came out after 9-11 and was telling people, he was telling people this crazy shenanigans. hmm So to say that Jerry Jr. was raised by a very conservative man is an understatement. Yeah. However, Jerry's a bit of a lush. He likes himself some booze. However, the other side of that is that they had an honor, because like we talked about this when Rags was on the show, like, Mm-hmm. The university that I went to had a very, it, we didn't get fined that I can remember. Mm-hmm. I remember like you would have to do maybe like some sort of like service or something or. So it wasn't as extreme as their shit. Yeah. Like yeah. I wasn't going to get like a $500 fine because somebody roofied me, which is like literally one of the stories is the girl was out like having a drink with her boyfriend and her boyfriend roofied her. But she made a complaint against her boyfriend and the university did nothing against him. They just prayed for him to, like, become better. But, like, she was fined $500 for drinking. So stupid. 
so fucking stupid. It's like, hmm, weird, because he was probably drinking too. So where the fuck is his fine? Oh, nowhere. Because men stumble. Men are allowed to stumble. Women are not. And oh. evangelicalism, like women are like, oh, it's really hard to like, I mean, that's literally how I was raised. My parents were like, they were evangelical Christians. Like my dad was raised Baptist, though. Like that was what mm. was interesting is my dad was raised Baptist. My mom is raised in the Assemblies of God. And it was very like men. I mean, even in the church that I grew up in, women weren't allowed on the board. Mm-hmm. In 2009, they weren't allowed mm-hmm. on the board. Yeah. And we talked about this when Rags was on the show. Like her cousin is a missionary in a different country. And now that she's married, her husband is now the missionary and she's the subservient. Mm-hmm. It's his mm-hmm. ministry. And that's so fucked up because yeah. she went to school for it. This is something she, you know, she like met she him did the and, work. Yeah. Yeah. But he just automatically gets it. I mean, Christianity is very male driven. Mm. And when there is a woman pastor, she is scrutinized so much, but not so much if you're a male pastor. In my church, I I was thinking about this today. I'm going to share this fun little trauma story for you guys. (laughs) When I was probably like, I want to say like maybe under second grade. So Mm -hmm. definitely like seven years or under. My dad woke me up in the middle of the night and he put me in the car and we drove to our pastor's house. And his son took me and got me out of the car and put mm. me in their, their spare bedroom. And I think I can't remember that if my older brother came with us, I'm pretty sure he must have because both my, my parents were there. And like, why the fuck would you leave an eight, like a seven year old at home when you took your six year old? Mm-hmm. I just don't remember him. But I remember like laying in, in that bed and hearing my dad talk to the pastor's wife. And basically what it was is the pastor was fucking running away with the secretary. Mm. <laughs> and this was like. There were several times within our church history where men who were in leadership were accused of inappropriate behavior. Yeah. And we had the pastor after them, like, literally this woman would, like, come and sit on his lap and feed him lunch. That's not weird. No, but he was like, it's a culture thing because I was a missionary in this other country. And, like, I'm like, I think that's universal for I want to fuck you in any language. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So I've always known that there was this like hypocritical thing within in the church. But back to our story of <laughs> not Jessica's trauma. Okay, so Juan Carlo then is, you know, he starts hanging out with the the Falwells like all the time. Like he goes on vacation with them and everything like that. And it gets to the point where it's they start like actually having sex, her him and Becky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are, you know, having intercourse, coitus. And at times it would be that like Jerry would watch and it wouldn't be that he would like masturbate to completion. He would just wait for Juan Carlo to finish and then he would like tap himself in and, mm-hmm. you know. And so there was this whole big thing that was happening. And they were like, okay, so you're part of our group now. You're part of our family. They introduce them to their children. They ba- like he attends their children's weddings. They like, you know, it's crazy. Like this whole like situation is crazy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, so we're going to bring you in and we're going to get you into the business world because that's what you want to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy this $4.5 million piece of property that is essentially a hostel in Miami. 
And hostels in Miami probably do really fucking well because it's oh, like yeah. they're probably always full. Even like his sister said it's an or no, not his sister, but like this other guy's girlfriend said like, yeah, it's like a no brainer decision. So right. basically at this point in time, Juan Carlo knows this guy. I think his name is Tito and his dad. Mm-hmm. And they're like, OK, they're going to help broker this deal. Well, come to find out that guy is super fucking shady and like didn't even have a broker's license and all this weird shit and everything. Mm. And they basically like, <laughs> basically <laughs> it comes to find out that this dude owes like a shit ton of money. He was yeah. like $34 million. And so basically he looks at the Falwells as able to like shake them down. This is where this situation starts getting really crazy. Mm-hmm. If you pay attention to politics, you might know the name of Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen is Trump's fixer, meaning he's the guy who comes in when he knocks some chick up and takes care of it. He's Mm -hmm. the guy who makes things go away. That's what he does. And you know him because he's constantly (laughs) the Hmm. fucking news. His name is. Mm -hmm. So while this is all, oh, mind you. So John Carlo, you know, he was actually like a Trump fan pre presidential everything shit. yeah so he was like into the art of the deal and everything and actually at one point in time trump was coming to speak at liberty college and he met trump and he got mm-hmm. to like be there with like the kids so it was like this whole big thing and he was like this is so cool because if you were like a 20 something year old i think about this time he's probably like it's 2012 2013 2014 he's like a 22 year old kid mm-hmm. and this before trump ran for president and kind of made an ass of himself and whatever he was revered as this super old businessman. So if you were like mm-hmm. in the business world, you might take an opportunity to meet Trump as like, especially if you were a novice and really didn't know about him, you would be like, this, this is really cool. So Trump yeah. signed his, his book, everything like that. So he was really like starstruck. So this is how connected the Falwells are. So basically at this point in time, like with this hostile situation with the Fernandezes, who were the two, the Tito and Jesus, who were trying to blackmail them and come to find out that there were photos of Becky and Giancarlo, you know, and they were like, shit, this, if this goes out, this will like ruin everything. Because also at the same time, you have to realize that Jerry Jr. is what legitimized Trump to evangelicals. He came forward and said, he has my support. He became the Fox News evangelical guy. And that's just that that's true. However you feel about that particular person, whatever, that's factual. So basically what was happening is that because they had this close relationship with Trump, Michael Cohen steps in and makes the lawsuit just kind of fucking go away for the time being. Trump becomes president. You know, it's basically like kick the can down the road type situation. John mm-hmm. Carlos trying to break it off with Becky. And that doesn't seem to work because he keeps getting girlfriends. And he's like, I feel bad. And she's like, no, he's tried to get other jobs. Like he'd moved to Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. And he was getting an internship. And then he went to go do the internship. And then he basically was like told, fuck you, you're not getting this internship. He got accepted the job offer. And then they recanted it. And it's Mm -hmm. all because of the fact that these two people did not want him far away. And that Jerry was willing to fucking destroy this kid's career so that his wife could have her little plaything. Yep. That's literally what it was. Mm -hmm. So with that, it just kind of like starts devolving. 
I love <laughs> one of my favorite twists in this is that Tom Arnold mm-hmm. is part of this documentary. Oh, yeah. When he popped up, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And it's because of the fact that like Tom Arnold was investigating things around Trump and he basically fell ass backwards into finding about this because he looked up the lawsuit of, you know, Jerry's and found the blackmailing lawsuit. And they just kind of like kept digging. And he at this point, like Michael Cohen has been kicked to the fucking curb by Trump. So he's willing to like spill the beans and like say everything. So all this is happening. Another journalist gets involved with it and basically is trying to get an interview. And it's just this whole big thing where it shows that Trump was kind of in the pocket of the evangelicals trying to move in the direction of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, things like that. They kind of like piece it together, all of this shit. It's just this like one big weird Christian political clout fuckery. I don't even know how else to describe it. And basically, when Giancarlo lost the internship, he was at a low point in his life. He realized he was never getting away from Becky and them. He was never going to. And he like talked about suicide. He told Becky that he was considering killing himself and that when they found his body hanging in the woods, that she should return his dog to his family. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's like at that point, like how the fuck if you say you love this kid, are you just going to keep fucking and screwing with him? But, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't give a shit because they actually ended up settling out of court with the Fernandezes, which and then cut him out of several other deals because that was the whole point is that he was supposed to be making money and that this was his future. Yeah. Which. I guess isn't that bad of an idea if you're like, okay, I'm just going to like keep sleeping with this dude's wife forever and then make lots of money. That might be a lucrative thing. I'm not here to like pass judgment. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like for a, a company that has something called the, mor- the, the moral majority. Yeah. You know, maybe that's ethically immoral, <laughs> but hmm. not my, not my place to judge. But he, you know, When he reaches out and talks about suicide, it was like they didn't even care. And then things kept happening and he talked to his sister about it. And his sister was like, you know, she was devastated and he realized that he couldn't do this to his family. So he was just trying to find a way out. Mm -hmm. And he kind of did because he talked to this other reporter and he gave like a whole sit down interview. Everything had documentation to back it up. Text messages, videos, pictures, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the interesting things for me is like when Tom Arnold is talking about the video. So at one point, Becky FaceTimes Giancarlo. And he fucking records it. Uh, yeah, he starts <laughs> screen recording this shit. And she's walking around their house naked. And this mm-hmm. is like the perfect fucking evidence. because she mm-hmm. It's clearly her. She strips naked. I mean, on the documentary, you don't see anything. So, like, you know, you see her underwear on the floor and then they black bar her out. So, like, don't get all excited, people. Basically, like, you know, she's, like, walking from room to room being like, oh, remember when we fucked on the counter? Remember when we fucked in my kid's room? And I want to say that her kids were adults. Yeah. But still. It's still gross, but, like, it's not like. like, It's so, like, what the fuck with it? Because, like, people were were referring to him as one of their kids, basically. And oh, he yeah. went to one of their kids' weddings. Eh. 
Well, this is this is a grooming thing. Like, granted, yeah. he's not. Well, a I'm minor, not saying but- it bad about him. I'm just like, oh right. my god, like these people are so fucked. <laughs> like he's absolutely a victim. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I'm just like that couple. They are well because when you think about it like this, you think about like how it would make sense that he would be in their lives if he's friends with their kids, if he's Mm -hmm. just involved up the yin yang with them, and he's this kid who's trying to grow. And they're, I mean, because this is a lot of Christian people do this where they take. I know I have cousins who are great, great people, and they counsel people and they help people through hard times, and that's Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Like people should do that. People should help. The one thing I have problems with Christianity is that Christianity has turned into this like violent fuck everyone else if you're not like us you should die mode of thing. But like for me, though, if you took the Bible as it says, it talks more about peace than it does war. It talks about more like literally the golden rule is love thy neighbor as thyself. But like that's not what that's not how evangelical Christianity is right now. It's Mm -hmm. about like fuck all those people and if you don't like us you should just die or whatever. Yeah. And I can say that because I am a survivor of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about if you want to be shunned by people, people talk about like how Mormons like shun you. No, like you want to be shunned by someone, be shunned by an evangelical because they will also curse you out and then say and praise Jesus at the end of it. <laughs> it's crazy. Just saying. Yeah. So then John Carlo has this like recording and Jerry comes out and says, the day before the article for Giancarlo is supposed to come out, he comes out with a a statement that he emails to, like, the Washington, whatever, some newspaper. And it goes out basically saying that Becky had this affair and that he Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with it. The problem with that is, is the video that Giancarlo has clearly shows him fucking peeping around a quarter, masturbating. Watching him talk about this so Mm -hmm. the fuck the actual fuck no no so basically jerry's coming out saying that like john carlo is just he had this affair with his wife he shouldn't be penalized for what his wife did the university shouldn't be penalized because his wife had an affair and that basically it was an extortion deal by john carlo to come out and just try to get as much money and what they could from them yeah, let's put all the blame on the woman. It's right. fine. And Becky is like, I hope you're happy. Like, I hope blah, blah, blah. And this also was because Jerry had grown in such political clout that he was he probably thought he was untouchable. Mm-hmm. The problem was, is like we talked about earlier, there's that video of like her walking around. He's clearly in the small box because it's his screen recording and her naked and Jerry masturbating around the corner. like. It's pretty damning. And like, so when all of this is kind of happening and it's being cooperated and everything, I mean, Jerry even like, they had this place called The Farm and Jerry had taken like a student, like a co-ed there from the university. And she was like lifting up her dress, like showing off her underwear, which by the way, was like not that, I mean, I'm assuming there might've been more photos. This might be the only like non- bad photo of the bunch but like she basically was kind of exposing herself to the camera and he was sending it to her and like the one of the points that like (laughs) one of the journalists was saying it was like this girl her parents are probably paying for her to go to this college and the president of this college is 
you know, doing this. And, you know, if she had gotten caught with him, she probably would have gotten a fine or expelled. Mm -hmm. And the really great thing is, like, Giancarlo's story goes out and people in the community that went to Liberty, women start coming out and talking about it. They talk about how, like, there were basically sanctioned rapes on campus. I don't think that's, like, sanctioned is the right word, but basically they were, like, glossed over. Like, oh, these women were getting, like, raped or whatever. And like I said earlier, they would just, like, pray with the dudes who did it. Be like, okay, we're going to work on this. And that's, like, a big common theme. When especially men make mistakes, they just want to pray through it instead of the other way, which is, you know, it's the women's fault. Like, when Rags was on there, we talked about purity culture. And, I mean, when somebody gets raped, there's a question that often comes up. What was she doing? Mm-hmm. What was she wearing? What caused this? What causes is a man. A man caused it. <laughs> a man decided that he wasn't going to respect a woman's boundaries. And yet he just needs to go and have his life prayed over. And then he's going to suddenly be better. And then we wonder why these situations happen perpetually. Classic example of just like letting a male dominated. Like you would think that with religion being around as long as it has been, mm-hmm. that it would have progressed in a more, like, equal way. But it didn't. It it hasn't. And, you know, women are still, like, revered as less in the community of that particular, especially evangelicalism. I know, because mm-hmm. I, was, I was part of it. And basically, what kind of was the downfall of Jerry Jerry has been removed. Like, he basically, after this happened, he stepped down from leadership because, you know, to have a scandal. There was also a picture that came out of him with this other girl where their pants were unbuttoned and he was, like, holding a drink in his hand, which the weird thing is that people were oddly more upset that he was, like, drinking. Right. And then he did an interview on Fox News and he was completely fucking smashed. And mm-hmm. he was like slurring his words. He wasn't making any sense. He even said, I-, I told my kids, I'll be a good boy from now on. <laughs> what adult man on Fox News? I mean, granted, I don't watch Fox News, but like who goes on TV and is like trying to redeem themselves and calls themselves a good boy? Yeah. Not a sober one. No. And I guess it had become knowledge that he would like walk around the university with a bottle of half tequila half water yeah yeah and people were complaining because you'd go into meetings smelling like fucking liquor right and you're like you're the president of a christian college Hmm. and so he basically had to step down and when the whole affair thing happened he stepped down the, the executive committee of that board asked him to step down and he basically got a, like a severance package. Like a, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it was like a $40 million severance package. And then they turned around when they found out that he was doing all these really bad things. They sued him and were like, give us back our fucking severance package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you should have just been fired. Right. So it didn't end well for him. And I think a lot of this, like you see kind of the like hate rhetoric that has come out about anyone who isn't evangelical. It's a problem in America right now, and it scares the shit out of me because we've seen, like, they talk about on the documentary, like, there have been so many, like, hate crimes committed against people mm-hmm. of color, against different sexual orientations, all because of a religion that is supposed to talk about love and 
acceptance. And I mean, if you take the Bible for what it says, it talks about parables where like, you know, Jesus healed the like went to the lepers camp, which Mm -hmm. was like something you didn't do because leprosy like your flesh just falls off. You don't go to the unclean. And and it's like Jesus did these things. But yet in middle America today, you know, white evangelicalism think that they can just go shoot up black churches and that's fine. And it's not. No. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna say right now, we recently got a, a review that said we were too woke. I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> Honestly, we have to stop pretending that. I, I can say this. I'm a white person and I am embarrassed <laughs> most of the time by what my race is doing mm-hmm. because it is always something that is like, there's so many times like recently, like I turn on the news and it's like, you'd see these white Christian men who have taken it into their own hands and committed these hate crimes. And, and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I was having this conversation with some coworkers and I was the only white girl there. Everyone else was a person of color. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I can't relate to struggles that people have because I'm not a person of color. And I hate that, that I get to walk through life and not have to, I don't want to say experience that, but like, I hate that other people don't get to walk through life the same way I do. I think everyone yeah. should just be able to like, just fucking exist. Mm-hmm. You should be able to go to the grocery store or go to fucking church, or go where the fuck you want to, and not have something happen to you. Yeah. Because of just your outward appearance, or who you love, or, you know, where you come from in the world. Right. I don't know. And that's really, to me, that's what this documentary is truly about. Yes, mm-hmm. it's about a kid who got taken advantage of. Yeah, he was, he was an actual adult, but like, he's 20. So he's like a kid. Yeah. He got taken advantage of by some rich, white, powerful people. Mm -hmm. But the true thing is, is that it's showing where the evangelical Christianity came from. And it came from a place of racism. It came from a place of, it didn't come from a good, quote unquote, godly place. Yeah. So that's my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I feel for people who aren't familiar with that group of people it's very insightful for sure because i had a friend be like oh my god i can't believe they had this essentially like the code of conduct you know all of that stuff and then i brought you up immediately i was like wasn't that bad but yes and i kind of know about this a little bit (laughs) this is a real thing (laughs) so yeah the truth is is that if i had had premarital sex or they knew that i had premarital sex yeah or wh- if I had sex when I, and I wasn't married while attending that school, I could have been expelled. Alcohol was Crazy. a little different. You would just get, like, counseling for that, like, if you mm-hmm. were caught. I mean, it was, it, was, it was bad. It was bad because I remember before it turned to university, when I started, it was just a college. And you weren't allowed to wear a tank top. The tank top I'm wearing right now is had the strap is, like, a half inch or something. like mm-hmm. Maybe an inch. But it had to be like an inch and a half. And I remember one time I had this dress I was wearing and they were like, that is unacceptable. You can't wear that. And I was like, why? They're like, it's only like a half inch strap. And I was like, okay. 
So the other half inch is going to make me like more modest. And they're like, well, it shows less of your collarbone. And collarbone are, is basically your breasts. <gasps> and I was like, you mean these things that even if I put in a fucking turtleneck, everyone is aware that I have? Yeah, no fucking kidding. Like, I remember going to the beach and I was in a bathing suit. I think I was in a two-piece bathing suit because I actually Mm -hmm. liked my body back then. And I remember, like, people – I got spoken to by a dean because I was causing men to stumble because someone reported me because some dude walked past me on the beach and looked at me. I mean, it could be the fact that I just probably fucking fell in front of him because if my memory serves, that's probably right. (laughs) (laughs) and so that's like where a lot of like women have problems is when they grow up in these like purity cultures where women are responsible for how men act and they're responsible for how men look at their bodies and men aren't responsible like if you're a dude and you see a shoulder and it causes you to rape someone you're excused because she showed you her shoulder I just don't understand how there's humans that actually fucking think that way. Like, it's just so fucking mind blowing to me. It's because and this is what I've like come to learn is that it's because those people in leadership, that's how they're looking at me. Mm-hmm. When I was 16 years old and wore a spaghetti strap dress to church and my dad got told by another person in our church that I, my dress was too provocative. That older man was looking at me mm-hmm. that way. Mm hmm. And it was never addressed that that man shouldn't. I mean, like, I talked about this a little bit when when Rags was on the show about, like, the fact that, like, there is a double standard. Yep. I was literally groomed. Mm-hmm. And people in leadership knew it. And they just let it happen because a man wanted it to happen. Of and course. it's because they take that part of the Bible literally where they say that women should be silent. However, they don't ever look at the fucking context of it where it's talking about women being silent in church is actually talking about the fact that like men and women weren't actually allowed to sit near each other. So if you had a fucking question in the middle of church and you looked at your husband and said, hey, husband, I need to know what this means. They were basically saying fucking ask him after church. Like, don't ask him during church. Like, be quiet. Not that women should be quiet. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and this is the problem this is the problem with us recovering evangelicals is that we know far too much yeah about the way shit should be and it slightly bites them in the ass mhm i don't know i love the tiktok trend that girls who were raised <laughs> in an evangelical church how is it being a witch now and it's like it's fantastic <laughs> because you know it's accepting and if i decide to wear a tank top to the store no one's going to call me a whore or a Jezebel or anything. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. This whole experience was like so traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Tara was like immediately watched this and she's like, you need to watch this. And I was like, okay. She's like, no, you don't understand. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I will watch it. <laughs> and then she started. She's like, I get it now. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But right. my university wasn't as bad as that university. Yeah. But we did have chapel, and you did have to go at least three times a week. Yeah, well, Bible college, so not surprised. Yeah, no, that was bad. And if you didn't, you could actually, that's the one thing you could be penalized for. You could not graduate because you slept in past chapel too many times. 
Nothing shocks me with this. Oh, I know. It's crazy. But yeah, that is my trauma for you all's entertainment for the day. We hope you enjoyed it. If you watch the documentary and you want to chat with us about it, head over to the Facebook group and there will be a thread Mm -hmm. that we can discuss. We will see you back on Thursday for another episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.